Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll talk the latest regarding Jacob Blake. Attorney Ben Crump says his spine was severed. Also, the governor of Wisconsin, uh, he is bringing in more National Guard after unrest continues in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And NBA players could very well boycott a playoff game as a result of this issue. The Republican National Convention kicked off last night and tokenism among African-Americans was trotted out. Really? Y'all think that's what's going to get black folks support Donald Trump? Also, the White House released a report on Opportunity Zones claiming some $75 billion has have flowed, uh, flowed into more than 8,000 zip codes. Economist Bill Spriggs breaks down the numbers. Civil rights organizations are lining up in support of the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center after the RNC refuted their legitimacy. The vice mayor of Portsmouth, Virginia, is under attack after she urged the firing of the police chief. 
a white resident actually went to a magistrate to get charges filed against the vice mayor. We'll show you a new batch of anti-Donald Trump ads and a black-owned business that is teaching people how to trade and invest. Folks, it is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. A more, another surgery today for Jacob Blake, the black man shot seven times by a Kenosha, Wisconsin police officer on Sunday. Today was a news conference that took place where his family and attorney Ben Crump spoke. Attorney Crump laid out how severe the injuries are against uh, that Jacob Blake actually suffered. Family is very faithful and they believe in miracles. But the medical diagnosis right now is that he is paralyzed. And because those bullets severed his spinal cord and shattered some of his vertebrae that attorney Savi would get to in more detail, it is going to take a miracle. It is going to take a miracle for Jacob Blake Jr. to ever walk again. He is currently in surgery as we speak, still struggling to sustain his life and to hopefully become some resemblance of the man he once was. Uh, folks, uh, it is uh, was just shocking, shocking uh, to hear that uh, the father of Jacob Blake said uh, that his son has a number of holes in his body. Uh, also, what took place at that uh, news conference, uh, Ben Crump talked about how portions of his colon and intestines had to be removed because of the injuries that he suffered. The sister of Jacob Blake uh, gave a raw and emotional um, news conference. Hmm. My brother's keeper. And when you say the name Jacob Blake, make sure you say father, make sure you say cousin. Make sure you say son, make sure you say uncle, but most importantly, make sure you say human. Human life. Let it marinate in your mouth, in your minds. A human life. Just like every single one of y'all and everywhere in Washington, we're human. And his life matters. So many people have reached out to me telling me they're sorry that this happened to my family. Well, don't be sorry, because this has been happening to my family for a long time, longer than I can account for. It happened to Emmett Till. Mm. Emmett Till is my family. Mm. Philando, Mike Brown, 
Sandra, this has been happening to my family. And I've shared tears for every single one of these people that it's happened to. This is nothing new. I'm not sad. I'm not sorry. I'm angry. Mm. And I'm tired. Mm. I haven't cried one time. I stopped crying years ago. Mm. I am numb. Mm. I have been watching police murder people that look like me for years. Mm. I'm also a black history minor. So not only have I been watching it in the 30 years that I've been on this planet, but I've been watching it for years before we were even alive. I'm not sad. I don't want your pity. I want change. Thank you. Yeah, that was the sister of uh, Jacob Blake uh, who was speaking. Um, uh, Jacob Blake's uh, mother, Julia Jackson, also uh, quite emotional. Well, she also says she's praying for the police officers. Watch this. My son has been fighting for his life. Can you talk a little louder? And um, we really just need prayers. As I was riding through here, through the city, I noticed a lot of damage. It doesn't reflect my son or my family. If Jacob knew what was going on as far as that goes, the violence and the destruction, he would be very unpleased. So I'm really asking and encouraging everyone in Wisconsin and abroad to take a moment and examine your hearts. Citizens, police officers, firemen, clergy, politicians, Do Jacob justice on this level and examine your hearts. Mm -hmm. yes. We need healing. As I pray for my son's healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I also have been praying even before this for the healing of our country. God has placed each and every one of the, us in this country because he wanted us to be here. 
clearly you can see by now that I have beautiful brown skin. But take a look at your hand. And whatever shade it is, it is beautiful as well. Amen. Yes. How dare we hate what we are. We are humans. God did not make one type of tree or flower or fish or horse or grass or rock. How dare you ask him to make one type of human that looks just like you? Wow. I'm not talking to just Caucasian people. I am talking to everyone. White, black, Japanese, Chinese, red, brown. No one is superior to the other. The only supreme being is God himself. Please, let's begin to pray for healing for our nation. We are the United States. Have we been united? Do you understand what's going to happen when we fall? Because a house that is against each other cannot stand. To all of the police officers, I'm praying for you and your families. To all of the citizens, my black and brown sisters and brothers, I'm praying for you. I believe that you are an intelligent being just like the rest of us, everybody. Let's use our hearts, our love, and our intelligence to work together to show the rest of the world how humans are supposed to treat each other. America is great when we behave greatly. Thank you. Again, that was uh, Julia Jackson. That is the mother of uh, Jacob Blake. It was uh, quite an emotional news conference when uh, the Blake family spoke. Um, it was, uh, it was di very difficult. Uh, this is Jacob Blake's father. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out in support of my son with this senseless, offensive murder that was committed on him. They, they shot my son seven times, seven times, like he didn't matter, but my son matters. He's a human being and he matters. Uh, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers has declared a state of emergency after some protesters vandalized businesses and set dozens of buildings on fire. There also was uh, a particular 
uh, Department of Corrections there in Wisconsin that was set on fire. Uh, and uh, they actually, that building uh, crumbled and they actually raised that building. I think we have the video, folks. If you have it, go ahead uh, and pull that video up, please, uh, that shows this was uh, some video that was actually shot uh, by uh, a, a reporter. Uh, this was the video before they actually uh, uh, took it down. Uh, do y'all have the video? Thank you very much. All right, there you go. So that's the video right there. Uh, this was shot by uh, Vi Wynn, the Wisconsin Department of Corrections building. This is her tweet. Uh, the Wisconsin Department of Corrections building was set on fire during the second night of unrest in Kenosha, reduced to rubble and ashes. Uh, the video was recorded before bulldozers were brought in. So CBS Chicago, you see spray painted outside. Are you listening yet? This story, of course, has attracted so much attention. The, the Detroit Lions are among those showing their support. They canceled their practice today after safety Deron Harris said football is not important today. Uh, please show uh, those. Uh, this is uh, them speaking about that very issue. Football is not important today. We have a platform that we're able to use to not only raise awareness, but to create change. And we decided today that we was gonna step forward and we was gonna create change. We can't be silent. We can't stay silent. It cannot be what's going on throughout our regular day. So today, unified, we stand here and we came up with this, these words, these slogans, and um, we're here to spread the message, spread the word. We've been able to have some really real conversations as a team. And I've been fortunate to be in a locker room with white, black, brown, different socioeconomic backgrounds, guys from all over the country. And the guys I care about. I go to battle against Trey every single day. Hell of a guy, stand up guy. And just to hear the pain and the fear, the people that I care about, the people that I love, are going through, it's not okay. And I know it's not my reality, but they shouldn't have to go through that. They shouldn't have to have that fear. LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers also speaking out of the shooting of Jacob Blake. Tanya Ganguly. to what happened. What I can say is that um, if you're sitting here telling me that there was no way to subdue that gentleman um, or, or detain him or to just before the firing of guns, then you, you, you're sitting here, you're lying to not only me, you're lying to every African-American, every black person in the community. Because we see it over and over and over. There was multiple, if you watch the video, there was multiple moments where if they wanted to, they could have they tackled him, they could have grabbed him. 
You know, they, that, they could have done that. And why, why does it always have to get to a point where we see the guns firing? And his family is there, the kids are there. It's, it's, in, it's in broad daylight. And, um, and who knows, I mean, if that video is not being taken by that person across the street, do we even know if we even see that video? There's like talks about that the cops didn't even have their body cams on. That's a possibility. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, quite frankly, it's just fucked up in our community and us. I know people get tired of hearing me say it, but we are scared as black people in America. Black men, black women, black kids, we are, we are terrified because you don't know. You have no idea. You have no idea. Folks, uh, again, a tremendous amount of reaction taking place all across the country. Uh, Jacob Blake had surgery today. Again, when you listen to what the family had to say about the wounds he has suffered, uh, having his intestines and colon removed uh, as a result, um, one of the attorneys also stood there, talked about uh, what he is going to have to endure, the kind of resources that are going to be needed to care for his health. 29 years old. Uh, one of the attorneys said, look, he's got a, he's got a whole lot of life ahead of him, uh, but he is going to have a very very uh, long road of recovery. Uh, he is not out of the woods yet. The family made that perfectly clear that he has a number of surgeries that he is going to have to endure um, uh, in order to, uh, to get beyond this, in order to heal. Uh, they are asking for prayers. A GoFundMe account that was set up uh, for Jacob Blake uh, surpassed a million dollars, surpassed a million dollars in just one day. Uh, but again, you can expect a significant civil lawsuit against this police department uh, without a doubt. I want to bring in uh, my panel today uh, to join me right now. Uh, joining me is uh, uh, Malik Abdul, Republican strategist, uh, Brianna Cartwright, political strategist, Michael Brown, former vice chair of the DNC Finance Committee. Uh, Brianna, uh, first of all, uh, you a newbie, first time on the show, so welcome. Uh, I'll start with you. When you when you look at this, you know, again, you have you saw the Republican convention last night. Folks were talking about looting and burning of buildings, things along those lines. This is what black people keep saying. All right, when the hell do you give a damn about the actual life versus uh, a building that's being burned down? This man is shot seven times at close range in his back, spine severed. Uh, back shattered, removed his intestines and colon. Um, he is, the dad described holes in his son's body. Yeah, it's very tragic. Um, I don't think that we should ever uh, think about replacement of buildings because <laughs> you can't replace a life. Um, it's very disappointing that people are even caring at all about the buildings. Um, you know, I think that we might need to go a step further. Um, it might be radical enough to say, but, you know, I think if enough, I was there, uh, in the aftermath of Ferguson and saw, you know, a lot of the destruction there and, you know, it's been years since Ferguson and we're still doing this fight. Um, and we're caring about, you know, building the 
the buildings, but what about building our nation, right? Um, and so I find it very interesting that that dialogue keeps going and going, but I mean, on the radical side, people can say that maybe we need to uh, fight harder in that in the sense of every single time you decide that you want to wrongfully uh, kill a uh, human being and, and black lives don't matter to you, that they might matter because there's going to be an economic backlash um, and that you're going to have to deal with it. Um, I think that uh, concentrating on the buildings misses the mark and just allows them to not talk and focus on the real issue that we've been having for America, having in America for years. Mike Brown, when you uh, see this again, um, when you look at uh, the anger and the frustration that's coming from people, uh, the folks are there. Um, what they're saying is, that, wait a minute. And, and, and to LeBron's point, if that neighbor, if that neighbor across the street does not shoot this video, all we have is a police officer's interpretation and witnesses because they voted a couple of years ago to get body cameras in Kenosha, Wisconsin. They won't be added until 2022, till next year. Correct. And in the, so thank goodness for um, uh, technology. And But Rowan, you and I have had, I don't know how many countless conversations. Obviously, our hearts uh, go out to the family and to the community, but you know, it's it's becoming more than that. As a, as a former legislator, it was 19 seconds from at least what we saw on the video from when he was ch chasing the gentleman to his car, to his vehicle. Whether he could have tased him, whether he could have tackled him, whether what, there are a variety of, of of ways to subdue this particular gentleman. Besides, obviously, shooting him seven times in the back when he was unarmed. But until you deal with the legislation and the laws about what protect police officers, these shootings are going to continue. Because in those 19 seconds, if the laws were different and his pension was on the line, mm -hmm. if he was going to have to pay for his own legal fees, if he or she, because obviously it could be a woman police officer too, did not have immunity, in those 19 seconds, he may have said, wait a minute, maybe I should tase this guy. Or maybe I should get my uniform dirty and tackle him. But I'm not going to shoot him because I'm not protected anymore. This wasn't a bang-bang situation. It was 19 seconds. He had a chance to think about it, and he still chose to shoot seven times into an unarmed black man's back. Uh, th this is uh, uh, some more of that news conference. Uh, and I just want you to listen again to one of the other attorneys uh, uh, before we go to uh, as he talks about the long road that Jacob Blake has to now face. I'm here from attorney B. Ivory Lamar to give updates. Thank you, Ben. My name is Patrick Salvi, Jr. I'm a lawyer at the office of Salvi, Shostak, uh, Shostak and Pritchard in Chicago. As you've heard and as you can imagine, when at least seven, as many as eight bullets from point-blank range enter the human body and shred through the tissue of the human body, that that can cause, and did in this case, severe and likely permanent injury. 
miraculously, because I imagine you've all seen the video, Jacob is alive. And I cannot tell you how pleased we were, how full our hearts were when Julia came back from visiting with him and actually told us that he, he told her a joke. And so that was tremendous news. But let me go through some of the injuries that Jacob suffered. Mr. Plump is correct. He had a bullet go through some or all of his spinal cord, at least one bullet. He has holes in his stomach. He had to have nearly his entire colon and small intestines removed. He suffered damage to his kidney and liver and was also shot in the arm. And so, Jacob has a long road ahead of him. A lot of rehabilitation. You heard he's in surgery right now and it is not going to be his last surgery. So he has a long road to recovery. We are going to hope and pray for as good of a recovery as we can possibly get. Jacob is going to fight hard, no doubt about it, with the support of his wonderful family that you see behind me. But that type of rehabilitation and recovery, it's not free. And so part of what we need to do on Jacob's behalf in light of the travesty that happened on Sunday is we have to bring a civil lawsuit. And we're going to be doing that, among other things, to accomplish several goals. One is, of course, to hold the wrongdoers accountable for this injustice. The second is to get Jacob the resources that he will need. He's a young man. He's got decades of life ahead of him. And what he needs now and what the civil justice system provides for under these circumstances is the best possible medical care to absolutely maximize his recovery, and so we're going to fight for him for that. And then, of course, finally, the fact that due process under the law, something that Jacob was not afforded in that situation, clearly, and that dignity and humanity and compassion, which is how policing ought to be practiced in this country, that it be applied to Jacob no different than it is applied to me. Because we can all wonder that if all else being equal, would I have been treated that way? So those are the things we're going to fight for. Now I'll pass it back to Mr. Crump and, and Mr. Lamar. Melly, your thoughts. And this is another tragic um, situation that we've seen for far too many years now. Uh, the mother herself, I thought her comments were beautiful, reminded me of the family down, what was that, Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, um, after Dylan Roof shot up that church. Um, that's it's, it's a, it's a, a talk of forgiveness and 
really prayer. And I think that's a lot of what we need also, in addition to finding out what happened. It's so unfortunate that this is one of those situations, and I talk about it, we talk about it all the time, as far as things happening at the local level. As you said, there was a, um, the mayor, the, the city decided to postpone this. They wasn't fully funding the idea of body cams until 2022. You know, that's tragic in and of itself. If we had body cams, then and it doesn't matter, yes, the mayor is a Democrat, but it doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican. The fact is, is that if we had a body cam, we would have at least, if and if they were on, I should say that too, if they were the body cams were in use, then we would have known what happened. What was that scuffle that happened prior to him walking around to the car? Why did he decide to walk around to the car? Even even after the scuffle, and what we saw in the because it was two videos, even after the scuffle, and I totally agree with LeBron, they had plenty of opportunities to subdue him. You can't tell me that you scuffle with someone, then you allow, and they you saw they essentially just kind of walk calmly with their guns pulled, following him to the other side of the car. They could have subdued him. They for tased aside, they could have tackled him. There's so many things that they could have done that they chose not to do. And you see the guy grabbing his T-shirt and all of that type of nonsense, and then you still shoot him. So obviously they had um, the opportunity to subdue him, and they chose not to. And I expect that this is something that's definitely going to be um, fully investigated. I don't agree, and I'll push back just a little. The people who did the burning, those were rioters. Those weren't protesters. And I think we do ourselves a disservice if we conflate the two. Those people were rioters. They were not protesters. Here's the deal. There I don't... are peaceful protesters yeah. that are always out in these type of events, and then you have rioters who come, and then they just tear the whole thing up, and then you have what this discussion about whether or not we should be able to criticize people who riot or whatever. No, I don't agree no. with the burning I, I, of the first of all, I, First of all, no, no one said here they can't be criticized, but what I will say is when people immediately jump to, to as, uh, as Cartwright said, they jump to the issue of the building and completely overlook what, what caused that reaction, folks weren't setting the, anything on fire on Saturday. They weren't setting anything, anything on fire at noon on Sunday. It was a reaction to what took place with the shooting of Jacob Blake. Uh, Brenna, go ahead. Yeah, so I think that, you know, it's it's unfair um, to... I, I, there is truth, right? There's a difference between a protest and a riot. But, you know, just as Roland said, let's talk about how a protest turns into a riot, right? Just like the same thing as an arrest turns into a murder. Like, it, it should be different. There shouldn't be murders when you're being arrested. Because in the in the fact of how we have our laws set up, you know, you get arrested, the officer writes down what they think you're arrested for, and then you go through prosecution, whether or not there's going to be charges or not, and then you have your arraignment, and then you have a jury. And so, like, having an officer be the judge, jury, and executioner is wrong. And so, I mean, you know, to, to talk about the buildings and everything else and not talk about the issue in itself is very problematic. Also, uh, Michael, look, here's the deal. And I, I think you, the, the sister of Jacob Blake said it best. Black people, we have to constantly have a public display of grief. And we have to call for calm. Um, we have to um, respond a certain way. Something happened to white folks, they get to be pissed off. 
I mean, white folks are still mad after 9-11. And I, and, and I got uh, uh, Melek's point about Mother Emanuel, but no, I'm perfectly fine, Michael, if black people say, I'm not forgiving a damn thing. That I'm so pissed off that we're having to be at this particular point and going to express that. And, and, I, and I just think white America too often want, they desire black folks to instantly forgive as opposed to, no, 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 fix the damn problem. And it, and it goes back clearly you know, 420 some odd years when uh, families were being broken up and the mother kept things calm and kept the families together, no matter how tragic, no matter how awful, no matter how despicable um, the white folks, in that case, the, uh, the masters, the slave owners, treated us. And it's still coming up with what she, with Miss Blake, Blake, I'm assuming her last name is Blake, what Miss Blake uh, did today is showing what God and love and peace and calm means when it comes from a victim's family. But, Ron, you're exactly right. We're the ones that always have to do that. Why, is it, why aren't the police unions coming out and saying, you know what, this is giving us a bad name? I'm tired of hearing, oh, there are a couple bad apples. No, it's a system issue. Until you correct the system, it's going to continue. So, yes, are there good police officers? Of course there are. They're more good than bad. But there's a system in place which protects them. And until the police unions sound like Mrs. Blake did, again, these terrible, terrible, terrible things are going to continue to happen. Well, and again, we are... Um, we'll see what the next step is. Again, a lot of leeway given to these officers. They are on administrative leave. And so we'll see what, what the next step is. All right, folks, last night was the first night of the Republican National Convention. Uh, and uh, there are a number of folks who were speaking. Here are some of the highlights. My name is Kim Klasik, and I'm running for Congress in Maryland's 7th District. And like Shirley Chisholm, I'm unbought and unbossed. Let me remind you, the Democrats have controlled this part of Baltimore City for over 50 years. And they have run this beautiful place right into the ground. Abandoned buildings, liquor stores on every corner, drug addicts, guns on the street. That's now the norm in many neighborhoods. You'd think Maryland taxpayers would be getting a whole lot since our taxes are out of control. Instead, we're paying for decades of incompetence and corruption. Sadly, the same cycle of decay exists in many of America's Democrat-run cities. And yet the Democrats still assume that black people will vote for them, no matter how much they let us down and take us for granted. We're sick of it. We're not going to take it anymore. The days of blindly supporting the Democrats are coming to an end. Hello, America. My name is Vernon Jones, and I'm a state representative from the great state of Georgia. As you can see, I'm a man of color, and I'm a lifelong Democrat, too. You may be wondering, why is a lifelong Democrat speaking at the Republican National Convention? And that's a fair question. And here's your answer. The Democratic Party does not want black people to leave their mental plantation. We've been forced to be there for decades and generations. But I have news for Joe Biden. We are free. We are free people with free minds. And I'm part of a large and growing segment of the black community who are independent thinkers, and we believe that Donald Trump is the president that America needs to lead us forward. We don't give in to cancel culture 
or the radical and factually baseless belief that things are worse today than in the 1860s or the 1960s. We have work to do, but I believe in the goodness of America, the promise that all men and all women are created equal. And if you're watching tonight, I'm betting you do too. Over the past four years, we have made tremendous progress towards that promise. In much of the Democratic Party, it's now fashionable to say that America is racist. That is a lie. America is not a racist country. This is personal for me. I am the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. They came to America and settled in a small southern town. My father wore a turban. My mother wore a sari. I was a brown girl in a black and white world. We faced discrimination and hardship, but my parents never gave in to grievance and hate. My mom built a successful business. My dad taught 30 years at a historically black college, and the people of South Carolina chose me as their first minority and first female governor. America is a story that's a work in progress. Now is the time to build on that progress and make America even freer, fairer, and better for everyone. That's why it's so tragic to see so much of the Democratic Party turning a blind eye towards riots and rage. The American people know we can do better. And of course we value and respect every black life. The black cops who've been shot in the line of duty, they matter. The black small business owners who've watched their life's work go up in flames, they matter. The black kids who've been gunned down on the playground, their lives matter too. All right, let me sh I'm, I'm just figure out where do I want to start. Um, <laughs> so, Malik, we'll start here. Let's deal with Senator Tim Scott. He said, we don't give in to cancel culture. Donald Trump last week was saying cancel Goodyear because somebody, they wouldn't let somebody wear uh, a MAGA hat. That's cancel culture. The Dixie Chicks, whole bunch of conservatives and Republicans canceled the Dixie Chicks uh, after uh, they made their comments about George W. Bush uh, when he was president. Donald Trump and Republicans have called for boycotts of a lot of people. Hell, conservatives have boycotted, did initially boycotted Disney years ago over the issue of uh, LGBT rights. So, isn't that a lie that Republicans don't believe in cancel culture? I, well, I don't think that it's a, a lie that the, I think you, we should have kind of break this conversation out. Sure, there are many people in the, in the Republican Party, independent, libertarian, or whatever, who endorse this notion of, well, let's um, cancel you in the sense that we're removing all of your livelihood away from you because you may have said something that we disagree with or something. Yeah, of course that happens. So there is no such thing as an absolute at all. But no, no, but no, no I don't want to be clear. Tim Scott said, we don't, quote, we don't give in to cancel culture. That's just not true. Well, well, we're rolling. First of all, it's a convention, and so the no, 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 no. I'm, I'm only asking: Is it true? Yes or no? Well, sure, there are Republicans who engage in council culture. Thank you, got it. Of course, it. that's true. But again, there is no such thing as an absolute on anything, whether that's on the Democrat or the Democrat or Republican side. So, yeah. But as far as the night itself, I thought it was a great night. In production-wise, definitely, 
it was leaps and bounds ahead of where the DNC convention was. So I think that that's one of the great things. But there was but it, but but it, but but it, but it wasn't as good uh, ratings wise. In fact, they had three million fewer people who watched the RNC convention than watched the DNC first night. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, we're a divide. We're pretty. We're a pretty divided country. So I doubt that very many people tuned in who are not, um, you know, Donald Trump supporters or whatever. So that doesn't bother me. Or, 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 the or, 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 or there could be the three million people who voted for Hillary Clinton who got three million more votes than Donald Trump. But go ahead. Well, sure, they could all be in California, which is where she got those three million votes. But and some, and, and some other states. But go ahead. Yeah, but the point is, is that it was, I thought it was a great night. We had a lot of great speakers, Maximo Alvarez, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. I think that there was something that the party was really focused on as far as um, the diversity of the party <laughs> itself. There were very messages. Yes, there were some people that I could have rather not, I could have rather done without um, being at the convention at all or even speaking. Who? But overall, Who? well, I could, I could have done without Charlie Kirk. Um, I could have done Hell, without... he opened it. Sure. He, he opened I, it for y'all. I'm not in charge of that. So, I, I mean, I don't have to agree. I'm not one of... I, I think maybe you think that, you know, you're accustomed to talking to a lot of partisans. No, actually, I no. Have... I, I'm, just, I'm just asking you. I'm just simply saying. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't he opened to, it. I don't have to agree with every single aspect of my convention. When I was a Democrat, I did not agree with every single aspect of the convention. So I'm not going to go on air and just praise everything so, that my party did. Here's what no, I, I, I could have done without Charlie Kirk. I could have done without Kimberly... Um, I can't pronounce her. Gif... Gifford, I, I can't pronounce her last name. Uh, oh, you mean Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend who we, can who we can hear her speech with the, with the volume turned all the way down? Hey, remember, <laughs> so, look, this, this type of stuff happens. But again, overall, I thought it was a great night, a so, great opener. I loved Donald I got Trump's it. I got it. You said that three times already. <laughs> but let me, ask you, let me ask you this here. I, I, I did find this to be quite interesting, uh, Brianna. Nikki Haley. America isn't a racist nation. And then she goes on to talk about the discrimination her parents faced uh, when she was growing up. Nikki, really? And then, of course, what really bothered me is, and I keep saying this, the pimping of what took place with Emmanuel 9. Uh, she, she called this divisive symbol. She could not even call it the Confederate flag, wouldn't actually name it. Uh, but the thing about it, in which I, and I've, I have objected to Nikki Haley, her description of this, oh, how we came together in a bipartisan way. No, it took black blood being spilled for that flag to come down. I'm not going to listen to Nikki Haley try to portray this as how there was a bipartisan deal where we came together and brought that flag down. If black blood had not been spilled in a church, that flag would still be flying above the state capitol in South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, Nikki Haley said America's not racist. Um, but just because Nikki Haley hasn't experienced racism doesn't mean that others haven't. Um, even Don Jr. made mention of George Floyd. Donald Trump Jr. even called for an end to racism. So unlike Nikki, even Don agrees that we need to end racism. The difference is that we have different ideas on how to do so. And, you know, really, we know she's full of it because... Haley doesn't even use her correct name. She changed it right before she ran for office. So the statement that there's no racism in America in itself is so disingenuous. And it essentially denies any constructive dialogue that can aid racial healing. I mean, we just talked 
about the issues of, uh, and she brought up like, okay, we know black lives are being murdered in the street. Is that not racism in itself? I mean, in Florida, there was a state representative, Dottie Joseph, who had to make a bill to give an unarmed black man who's now paralyzed for life uh, in, in a wheelchair uh, his full compensation because there wasn't a law already put in place. And so to, to even have the audacity say, you know, America has no racism, it's just, it's, it's, they like to exaggerate. He is, I also, Michael, I, you, you, I got to have you comment on this one, to, to have Vernon Jones stand there. He said, quote, we've been forced to be there. No one forced Vernon Jones to be a Democrat. No one forced him to run as a Democrat. No, no one forced it. I, this is what, to me, is idiotic. I, I, and it's amazing how... Republicans love this plantation language, which I think is stupid, okay? I don't use words like, oh, you're on the Republican plantation, you're on the Democratic plantation. They only seem to use that phrase that applies to black people saying you're on a plantation. But Vernon Jones, who the hell is making you stay there? Vernon Jones could have left the party years ago or never even joined the party or run as an independent, but no, he ran as a Democrat for a reason, Michael. And then that's why, frankly, I think it was a Miss Clack, the uh, person running in Baltimore. Yeah, Kim um, She's a Republican. You know, she's saying what she needs to say, She, but she's the, you know, Republican. This guy, if he doesn't like the party, you're right. Then leave. No one's, you know, being, you're right, being independent. You said everything I was, you know, could say relative to him. Hate to even waste um, breath on him. Yeah, but, uh, but we, we've been forced to be there. I, I mean, nope. I didn't get that. Just then, then leave. <laughs> I mean, then, then don't be a Democrat anymore if you don't like uh, what Democrats stand for. But, um, you know, last night was a, it was interesting. You know, they're doing the best they can. I think there, there's an argument that can be made on how well they did technology-wise. They had, you know, they had a few days, almost a week, to see what the Democrats did relative to, uh, obviously, the limitations of COVID and to correct whatever they didn't like. So they did what they needed to do. I thought it was... I didn't watch. I watched some of the uh, highlights today. And it looked like a typical Republican convention. Although I did find it interesting uh, to listen to Kim, first of all, who has no shot at hell uh, of beating Kwesi and Fume uh, in Baltimore. Uh, she went through this Zero whole... Shot. She went through all of this sort of stuff. And, and my next guest could confirm this, uh, Bill Spriggs. The reality is this here. The, 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 ec the medium income of that congressional district in Baltimore is higher than the national average. Uh, and here, the other piece is that Kim didn't offer a single policy initiative uh, at all. All it was was it was this, 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 this. If you're trying to get elected, you may want to offer what you're going to do, what you want to achieve. But the reason I want to bring up Bill Spriggs is here because we heard it last night. The White House released the Council of Economic Advisors report on the impact of opportunity zones this week. I've been waiting for this for quite some time because they kept touting it and they kept bringing it up last night. And they said that $75 billion has been invested in more than 8,000 zip codes. So I said, let's call Dr. Williams Briggs, economist at Howard University, also economist for the AFL-CIO, 
to give us an understanding of this. So, Bill, you've looked at the report. Is it true this $75 billion has been infused in opportunity zones, which Trump really means to black people? Well, you, um, let's be clear about what's going on. You're favoring certain zip codes over other zip codes. So you got to figure out what's the net. So how much am I diverting from what might have happened somewhere else? So yes, they got $75 billion in investment that took place in these zones that didn't take place in the zones that didn't get the funds. But the zones that didn't get the funds uh, weren't that similar, actually. They were a little better off to begin with. A lot of the money pumped up housing prices. We don't know how much of this was gentrification, and you got credit for this for carrying out gentrification. So their claim that housing prices went up doesn't tell me the whole story of what's going on. And it's wrong to make the parallel judgment between comparison that they do between a very targeted program and universal programs that help people in all zones to try and argue, well, this was a more effective way of helping people who are poor. First off, again, we are only looking at what happened in the zip code. We don't know what happened to the people. So if, if a zip code gentrified, they're going to show investment. They're going to show higher housing prices. They're going to show higher income. But that doesn't mean that the people who were there before are the people who benefited. So we don't know what that really means. And again, if you look at his opposition to raising the minimum wage, which would have helped all of the people in all of the zones get out of poverty, this is probably not the most cost-effective way. The tax write-off in the opportunity zone that they're touting, you get to keep even if your investment wasn't permanent. So it allows for a lot of gamesmanship to take place. It's probably a positive. It may not be that big of a positive. But again, you got to think about it. Is it a positive on net across those who did and did not benefit? So, because because that's what matters. So, Bill, here's what their their claim again uh, from the Council of Economic Advisors: Opportunity zones have attracted 75 billion in capital investments at the end of 2019. They say 52 billion of that uh, would not have entered opportunity zones without the incentive. That's one. Uh, the Opportunity Zone investments created at least 500,000 new jobs in designated Opportunity Zone tracks, but they don't actually say what those jobs are. Uh, then it says, from the second quarter of 2018 to the fourth quarter of 2019, private equity investments into Opportunity Zone businesses grew 29% relative to a comparable set of businesses not in Opportunity Zones. Again, who are those businesses? Who are they? Are they black-owned businesses? Are they Latino-owned businesses? Uh, exactly what are they? We don't have that breakdown. Uh, and then they say investments in opportunity zones will lift approximately one million Americans from poverty. How? I mean, so you have these... I mean, so... Because they, they, they're not tracking the people. So we don't know, like I said, you don't know if this is just gentrification. Is this just somebody moving uh, a heavy investment into Shaw here in D.C., moving out black people, and then, yes, the incomes will go up and there'll be investments and there'll be new businesses. 
and there'll be high, there'll be higher home prices. But the people who are there aren't the ones who benefited. This isn't what they have in the report. But more importantly, did you divert money that went to Shaw and then and the equivalent neighborhood they are saying that didn't get the investment? So was I stealing from a ward over in Anacostia? That matters. If, if, if the incentive just shifts something away and then doesn't help some other neighborhood that is very similar, on net, you haven't done anything. Um, again, looking through this report, because, again, every time Donald Trump touts opportunity zones, he's doing it specific to black people. He's always saying, oh, I, I, I'm helping the blacks with opportunity zones. And then, of course, he name checks Senator Tim Scott. Is there anything in this report that actually speaks to black people benefiting from these opportunity zones? Because I'm looking, and I, and I have, and Anthony, go to my iPad. Uh, this right here shows you uh, the geography of opportunity zones. This is the map right here. Uh, and you see... Uh, the green areas is what's called selected tracks, opportunity zones. Uh, the gray area is eligible but not selected tracks. Have, have, I mean, have you seen anything that says black people are benefiting from this? No, because that wasn't their unit of analysis. Their unit of analysis were the zip codes that were the zones themselves. So they, they're not doing it from a racial equity perspective. But in fairness... When you look at the zones, a lot of them out there in the in the in the West, a lot of them were very close to Navajo Nation and some other native lands. So potentially, some of the counties near tribal land might have benefited. So, so let me show this here. This is the graphic they showed: uh, share of opportunity zone population, share of non-opportunity zone. So according to their chart, African Americans represented 24.3 percent of opportunity zones, uh, share of non is 11.4, Latino, Hispanics, 25.4, people living in poverty uh, is 28.9. But, okay, so let's just, let's right, just... Right, right, but, but, but that's, that was the criteria upon which the zone was chosen. Right. But, they, but, don't report, they don't report the rise in income by race or ethnicity. So... The lowering of the poverty rate, I don't know whether that's someone who's lifted out of poverty or whether you gentrified. You just moved in some people who had money and moved out the people who didn't. And, and that's, again, th those are important uh, distinctions because what it points, points to is how does it actually benefit anybody? So you can sit here and say, oh, my God, these things are wonderful, but it's still, what is the net effect on black people and Latino slash Hispanics. That's the real deal. And the reality is this port, this report does not make that clear. It's just, hey, 75 billion is being spent. We don't know on what. You can well, you can spend right. it, you can spend it in a census, you can spend it in a census track, and it can be white developers. It can be white developers gentrifying that neighborhood. But it wasn't done properly to answer the question it sets out to answer. I mean, this is part of the problem he had when the leadership of his Council of Economic Advisors left him. But but more to the point, a lot of people like place-based initiatives like this 
they compare this to other place-based initiatives that have been backed by Democrats. So in fairness, this is an idea that people favor. Uh, we have to remember that uh, um, Congressman Rangel uh, was the one who initiated the whole idea of place-based in, in legislation. But, but this report doesn't do what they say it does. Um, Bill Spriggs, we certainly appreciate it, sir. Thanks a lot. Just want a quick conversation with our panel here. And so, I mean, isn't that isn't that fair to ask uh, Melik in terms of if, if Trump every time he talks about opportunity zones, he's talking about how he's always in reference to black people. Well, shouldn't black people be saying, "Okay, fine"? How did black people benefit? Please, please show me the data that shows how black people are benefiting from opportunity zones. Since anytime he brings them up. It's in relation to what he's done for the blacks. Well, I, sure, that's a valid question, and I think it's one that definitely should be asked whether or not they should have that data at this point. I think that they should, but uh, just to just to clarify a couple of things. Um, so, I'll use DC as an example. In DC, and I'm, I'm imagining this is the case elsewhere. It's not according to zip code; it's according to census tract. And in in DC, 79% of the actual opportunity zones, the zones that were approved, are located east of the river, which is in seven ward, seven and eight, majority black. And there are different there are criteria that the um, tract this tract had to have in order for it to get approved in the first place. So it dealt with the unemployment numbers. It dealt with a lot of factors that I think the. Uh, the Trump administration could probably use from D.C. because D.C. has done a very good job at explaining how they decided where those are. So I, the numbers, it seems like they maybe they really did do the $75 billion, but I do know that in places like here in D.C. that we do have data to show where, why they were located in a certain place, the criteria that they used, and I imagine at some point that the district will be able to give some sort of information on the racial impact. But the idea of opportunity zones itself, to answer your question as far as why it's linked to black people, well, part of that is because we link these type of developments to black people. So there are certain, when, I, when I talk about that criteria, the fact that it had to be located in certain parts, there are all these different um, guidelines that you have to fall back. When you're dealing in the inner city, most of us obviously live in inner cities. And so that's how black people are impacted by it. But, but, I, think but, that but when you... I still think that... Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, I still think that it's a, a great thing. We should continue to um, build upon it and add to it. But there is the responsibility on who gets these contracts. That's on local government. That's not on federal government. Local governments are responsible for it. So if we want to know, just like when T.I. was talking about not being able to get, you know, black people not being part of this Opportunity Zone initiative down in Atlanta, well, he should use his wealth to get people together to make sure that we have a seat at the table. Yeah, local but Local governments are responsible. Responsible for that, not no, the no, 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 they're actually not responsible, Michael. I'm reading this here. This is the actual White House report. Uh, the Council of Economic Advisors, go to my iPad, Anthony, finds that OZs, Opportunity Zones, which are census tracts nominated by state governors and certified by the U.S. Department of the Treasury to be eligible for the investment tax cuts are among the poorest communities in the United States. These communities have an average poverty rate more than double that of all other communities and, and are home to a higher share of African Americans 
Hispanics, and high school dropouts. Even among all the communities eligible to be in OZ under federal law, every state selected communities that on average had a median household income less than that of communities that were not selected. So now, the states are selecting that, but they are certified by the Department of Treasury. But here, here's the thing that I'm still uh, lo looking at here, um, uh, Michael, and that is this here. When I say, how are black people benefiting? When you say money is coming in, okay, what is that money going to? Is it going to business owners? Is it going to retail? Because if you look at really the people uh, who are greatly benefiting from Opportunity Zones, it's folks who are in real estate. Which means they're coming in, they're owning land. That's really what you're speaking about. And different from, and I'm glad Professor Spriggs mentioned the historical context of these Opportunity Zones, the Empowerment Zones, were the first to do that. Charlie Rangel, absolutely, as well as uh, Secretary Cisneros in the Clinton administration. That's when it moved forward. And how they evaluated whether it was working was, was not to gentrify neighborhoods. It was to help empower the people that are there and want to stay. And I'll give you an example. A lot of folks now in this, in this kind of gentrifying world we all live in, no matter what city you're in, clearly also here in our city here in in D.C., and we're trying to use, put, obviously, guardrails so there's not too much gentrification. And I don't mean to pick on Starbucks, but when neighbors used to see a Starbucks pop up, they knew they were in trouble. They didn't think, oh, my goodness, services are coming to our neighborhood. What it meant oh, my God, $5 coffee is coming. Correct. Correct. Which meant a different kind of person, which meant different kind of condos, which meant People have to move out. And, oh, then the okey-doke, they play the okey-doke. Don't worry. After we rebuild your public housing complex, you can come back. Oh, of course you can come back. But we need a check for $10,000, uh, and here's your new rent. So that's how they obviously get people out. So these opportunity zones are exactly what you said, Roland. These are different than the empowerment zones of the 90s. These dollars are going to developers to move people out and move a certain person in. The most important. That's why seven and eight in DC were targeted because obviously, obviously the land values were much lower and it was a great opportunity to move people in and get people out. And that's, and the thing, Brianna, is real simple. And that is, are the people living there benefiting or are they uh, living there with a big ass bullseye on their back and systematically being taken out and then shuffled elsewhere as those places are turned over into mixed-use development, bringing in shopping centers, bringing in high-priced condos that people simply cannot afford to actually live there. Yes, uh, I agree with the bullseye. Um, you know, unfortunately, opportunity zones have produced very little impact from the simple fact that target small businesses and you know, especially black small businesses, typically fail to qualify for the credit requirements of mainstream banks. So if anything, they have offered creative financing to gentrify poor neighborhoods and drive out residents. Um, they create jobs for others who move in uh, when indigenous residents can't be there anymore. And so it's really not helping um, as much as it needs to. Um, I, I understand the concept of it, but uh, it's hurting our people. Um, and I, I, we need more financial literacy. Um, we need more opportunity for black businesses. Um, and, you know, I'm 
originally from uh, Detroit, Michigan, and we've seen this in Detroit for years. Most urban areas have districts where this is the case. Um, and so uh, I, I think that we need to, you know, I, I understand that Trump wants to make this like how he's helped the black community, but I think that we need to, to figure out a different way. All right, folks, got to go to a break when we come back. Republican National Committee, they are blasting the Southern Poverty Law Center who identifies hate groups. They're saying, that oh, they're targeting conservatives. We'll discuss next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Census takers will be visiting households to make sure we are counted. Too much is at stake. Respond online today. Shape your future. Start here at 2020census.gov. The community comes together to support the fight against racial injustice. I want to take a second to talk about one thing we can do to ensure our voices are heard. Not tomorrow, but now. Have your voices heard in terms of what kind of future we want by taking the 2020 census today at 2020census.gov? Now, folks, let me help you out. The census is a count of everyone living in the country. It happens once every 10 years. It is mandated by the U.S. Constitution. The thing that's important is that the census informs funding, billions of dollars, how they are spent in our communities every single year. I grew up in Clinton Park in Houston, Texas, and we wanted, to, we wanted new parks and roads and a senior citizen center. Well, the census helps inform all of that and where funding goes. It also determines how many seats your state will get in the U.S. House of Representatives. Young black men and young children of color are historically undercounted which means a potential loss of funding of services that helps our community. Folks, we have the power to change that. We have the power to help determine where hundreds of billions in federal funding go each year for the next 10 years. Funding that can impact our community, our neighborhoods, and our families and friends. Folks, responses are 100% confidential and can't be shared with your landlord, law enforcement, or any government agency. So please take the 2020 census today. Shape your future. Start at 2020census.gov. All right, folks, in response to a resolution adopted by the Republican National Committee refuting the legitimacy of the Southern Poverty Law Center to identify hate groups and saying that the federal government should not view SPLC as a legitimate foundation equipped to provide actionable information, 25 civil rights groups issued the following statement. Hate crimes and incidents terrorize entire communities, and we are seeing an unprecedented increase in them. These acts of hate cause people devastating harm and undermine our democracy as people fear for their lives. Yet during this ongoing crisis, the RNC is condemning an organization for doing work that helps community leaders, law enforcement, and state and local governments combat hate. The Southern Poverty Law Center's research and analysis on hate groups has long provided critical data to help local leaders protect people targeted for hate violence. That research documented a 50% increase in the number of white nationalist hate groups last year. 
This year, when the FBI elevated racist, violent extremists to a national threat priority, the director of the FBI acknowledged that most racist attacks are fueled by some type of white supremacy. Offering research and data that helps people understand the source of violent threats so we can all combat hate and keep our communities safe as a part of a commitment to make our making our country safe for all to thrive. This resolution seeks to undermine the truth and enable white nationalists and hate groups like uh, Kunan to continue targeting hate against the communities we represent and serve alongside. We condemn this resolution. It only seeks to hide evidence of the damage this administration and its supporters have wrought on our communities and our country. Until we reckon with the many ways that white nationalism and hate groups continue to devastate our country, we cannot keep people safe nor come closer to realizing a country as good as its ideals. Uh, Michael, the, the, the RNC, they're ticked off because there are groups that a conservative, they say, uh, oh, they, they shouldn't be called uh, a hate group. So now they're trying to go after the S uh, trying to go after SBLC uh, for designations. Well, they gave more time and ink to that than they did to having actually a platform in 2020. They just decided to adopt whatever 45 says is what he's going to support, uh, which I found interesting. So that means if he says, oh, I want all black and brown people out of the United States, then their platform doesn't speak to it, so it's okay that they would follow him. So, you know, it's just ridiculous. Anything related to race, they figure out what the wedge is because they obviously don't want to piss off the base of their party. There's a reason David Duke is comfortable being a Republican. There's a reason those people that march in Charlottesville are comfortable being Republicans because their leader of their party says... I welcome you, rather than saying, you know what, I don't want your support. So that's uh, that's that's where and I'm tired. I'm tired of also last night people saying that's not the country we are. It is the country we are. It's the country we've been for the last 420 some odd years. So why is it any different today? So until that mindset changes, uh, the RNC is going to continue to have problems attracting black and brown people. Uh, Malik, the RNC, they, they're really upset with the SPLC because they had, since 2012, they included the Family Research Council on their list as a hate group as a result of what they call uh, their violent, violent anti-gay messaging. This, I'm, I'm not really concerned about SPLC designations. I don't think that this is something that the RNC probably should have spent much time on it at all. But the fact that they did, I'm really not bothered by it. People have had, people uh, have actually had issues with the SPLC designations for a while. It's the same organization that designated Louis Farrakhan in the Nation of Islam as anti-Semites and a hate group. So there, people are, people have disagreed with that designation. They disagree with it today. I imagine that on the panel today that people would, that you guys would disagree with that designation. But this is not something that I think move, moves any voters at all. I don't think that this is something that drives people to the polls. It's something that the RNC did. Probably by next week, we would have forgotten about it, if not by the end of the week. Um, Rihanna, um, again, they claim the SPLC is a far left organization with an obvious bias. 
quote, the SPLC is a radical organization and that the federal government should not view this organization as a legitimate foundation equipped to provide actionable information to DHS or any other government agency. But the reality is they have. Yeah, so, I mean, let's concentrate on why they were formed in the first place. They, are, they were formed to apply the 14th Amendment uh, and make sure that there's equal protections. So what they do is they apply that 14th Amendment to states that systematically discriminate. And so that's important. We're making them the victims now, but they're there to protect people underneath the 14th Amendment. As an attorney and someone who decided to go into law, that is very, very, very important to me. So I find it preposterous to say, oh, you know, they shouldn't be legitimate. They follow the law and make sure that we're protected under the law. Um, and it, it, it's obvious that racists, you know, must attack SLPC because they bring legal advice. They wouldn't, you know, hit dog will holler kind of thing. Um, and so... I do think it's very important to follow the legal experts. They're really trying to protect us. Um, and, and hopefully those states, instead of you know saying they're illegitimate, they figure out ways to make sure that they're not racist. Folks, uh, more drama in Portsmouth, Virginia, okay? This time, okay, this is real strange. Yesterday, we told you about uh, this friction that exists between African-Americans in there. Now, a white city resident, this is strange, I, I know, follow me here. A white city resident has brought criminal charges against the city's black vice mayor, Lisa Lucas Burke. Tommy Dubois alleged that Vice Mayor Lisa Lucas Burke's public call for the firing of the city's police chief constituted a misdemeanor crime under an obscure city statute. Dubois appears to have gotten the idea to press the charges from a Facebook group. Sheriff's deputies delivered a summons to Lucas Burke on Monday morning after Dubois filed the criminal case against her with a magistrate judge. Now, in Virginia's magistrate system, citizens can bring criminal charges against other individuals by simply making their case to a judge. Now, the vice mayor, who happens to be the daughter of the highest-ranked African-American in Virginia, who herself has been targeted by police for supposedly attacking a Confederate monument in June. What the hell is going on here, Michael? Don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't even you know. You know. That I mean, last name know. might be Dubois, but he ain't a brother. Of no, I mean, I don't understand. You know, clearly, uh, I hate saying this all the time, but we are just in such a different place like when you have your your crazy white people videos where folks just think that they can do whatever they want the rules are for them and in this environment they think they're going to be backed up so they do what they do in parking lots as you're obviously people as your viewers show on the uh, on those crazy videos so this what was crazy here uh Malik, is that um Again, which we covered yesterday, you have African-Americans who are moving into power there in Portsmouth. Black city manager, black police chief, three blacks on the city council, black sheriff. They represent a majority of the people in that particular city. 52 percent, whites represent about 40 percent. 
But it's got to be crazy. that, and, and the statute this person used is that by the vice mayor calling for the firing of the police chief, the, the vice mayor is interfering in the duties of the police chief, so therefore, that's why she's being charged. Of course, this is something that sounds pretty nonsensical. Uh, whether or not this is actually race-related, it really doesn't matter. Um, they do have, as you said, this is something that they are legally allowed to do as citizens of Portsmouth. But I don't think that this is something that deserves much attention um, in Portsmouth at all, despite what we've been seeing over the past... Uh, I think whenever she was initially, when the other person was initially charged or with trying to this whole Confederate statue issue, it's nonsensical. I don't think that this is, it's not going to go anywhere. I don't think that you really gin up a lot of excitement about this type of issue right here. Whether or not they, she's not going to be arrested. She's not going to be, um, probably not even going to be removed. But this kind of sounds like a similar situation. I'm not an attorney, but the word may be um, tort reform, where people are just able to bring all sorts of cases. And um, no, no, that's, people, that's actually what, that, what is that called? No, no, no. Tort reform is actually targeting lawyers. This, the law there allows for residents. And that's, what, and that's what you have here. This whole battle that we covered yesterday uh, deals with where you have, a, where you have police officers uh, filing charges against uh, NAACP leaders, a state senator, and others claiming that Stephanie Morales, who was the DA, she could be a possible witness, even though she wasn't even there when they so-called uh, defaced or hurt this monument. And they're trying to get her thrown off the case. I mean, it's also the drama there. Yeah. Black folks are there saying, yo, this is clear. You have an attack on African-Americans who are in positions of power. Yeah, well, this uh, this just sounds like a junk lawsuit. I don't think that this is... No, 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 no. This, this is not a lawsuit. This person literally went to a magistrate, magistrate heard it, issued uh, issued charges, uh, sheriff's office then goes to her office to say, boom, you're being charged with a crime. Yeah, I mean, it's foolishness. The fact that they're even able to do it under the law anyway and appear before a magistrate judge is ridiculous. Sounds like something that really needs to be, the statute that really needs to be um, amended or just eliminated altogether. But it's it's silly. It sounds like it's silly, and it sounds like something that any citizen would do to whether it's black or white or whatever. It's a silly... It's just silly. But, but, that's, but this, Brianna, is why what you're hearing from there... This is what happens when a city is transitioning from white control to black control. Right, right. I mean, I don't know enough about the situation, um, but I will say that 20 miles from Portsmouth is when the first slaves landed, right? And so um, I'm going to say that this mayor has faced more charges than Breonna Taylor's killers, and that's enough of disgrace for me right there. Um, I... I I don't think that elected officials should be wrong for doing what they think is right. That's all I'll say on that. Well, uh, it certainly um, uh, is uh, absolutely crazy here. All right, y'all, uh, got to go to a break when we come back. Uh, Antivirus ads, hard-hitting, we'll show you next on Roller Martin Unfiltered.
You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Folks, at Seek.com, the black-owned digital company, uh, they have a couple of great products that uh, for you folks. This is their virtual reality headset right here. You just simply pop your phone right into here, and you can, of course, uh, watch their virtual reality content uh, on your phone right uh, through this particular headset. So you can also watch 360-degree video as well. Then, of course, uh, they have these great 4D 360-degree headphones, uh, which uh, absolutely great sound, amazing bass. You also, with these headphones, uh, you can use them for gaming, you can conversation, they're Bluetooth as well. Uh, to check out both of these products, go to seek.com, C-E-E-K.com. Use the promo code RMVIP2020. RMVIP2020. And so we certainly thank Seek for being one of our partners. All right, y'all. Ad time. Roll it. Donald Trump has been telling us for weeks now what a Joe Biden America will look like. Let's take an honest look at what Donald Trump's America looks like right now. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. I don't know where the f What a stupid question that is. I will be Donald Trump's most loyal advocate. You wouldn't want me to condemn a group that I know nothing about. I'd have to look. We own this country. We make the laws. We tell them what and where and when. They don't tell us. I'll beat that mask off your face. Get a medic. Nasty Mexican duck. You also had people, very fine people, on both sides. Driver of this gray Dodge mows down a group of marchers. Oh, oh, I protest face coverings. I am a healthy American. And every single one of you. Because all of you are practicing. No, I don't take the responsibility at all. Trump will win, and we're going to bring wall. it back. Build that wall. Build that wall. Nobody loves the Bible more than I do. I believe Trump is elected by God to be the president of the United States. I am the chosen one. We will make America great again. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Let me be as honest and clear as I possibly can. On November 3rd, we will hold them all accountable. This is what we came for. And we couldn't want it anymore. We could never turn back. 
leave it all on the floor Been trouble the payoff Through the struggles and the trade-offs Our great nation is now living in an unprecedented moment Damn the truth, but they think it's just made up When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just Say something, do something, get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble You ready to go to work? I accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States. If you think about what Mitch McConnell really stands for, it is all about his power. That's not what I'm about. Voters vote not just with this, but with this and with this. Much more. Exactly right. What happens if we stand up, stand strong, and say, you know what, we're coming for you? And there's more of us. give you my word. If you entrust me with the presidency, I will draw on the best of us. Well, 7.7 billion of us live on an island in our solar system. We have to do a better job taking care of this planet. More than ever, Democrats need to win back the Senate. Things get better if you love them enough to stand up and fight. But I believe that Americans have more in common than what divides us. Do not let them take away your power. Do not let them take away your democracy. America, one people from many. Born imperfect but bending the arc of history to make our union more perfect and overcome the forces of hatred, fear, and oppression. Obligated to protect the ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Inheritors of the long duty to protect freedom and liberty. And we are sworn to defeat Donald Trump. It is why we stand. It is why we fight. It is why he fears us, fears you. We are unified, growing, an American movement. We are strong. He is weak. We are many. He is failing. We will defeat Trump. We can and we must. We will begin anew, as America always does. We will heal, recover, and rebuild. We will go forward together. This is the fight to which we are called. This is the battle of our generation. Join us. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. I served as the chief of staff of the Department of Homeland Security under the Donald Trump administration. And it was my job to help the Department of Homeland Security to keep our country safe. What we saw was terrifying. The president told us to stop giving money to people whose houses had burned down because California didn't support him. He said he wanted to have a deliberate policy of ripping children away from their parents. He was unfocused, undisciplined. I have to support Joe Biden for president. Defending democracy together is responsible for the content of this advertising. I'm gonna tell you what I really think of Donald Trump. He lies practically every word that comes out of his mouth. Donald Trump is everything I taught my children not to do in kindergarten. I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. I think he's unfit for office. Guys, we have a con artist as the front runner in the Republican Party. You know, Donald Trump the other day said that, it quote, if he tells a soldier to commit a war crime, the soldier will just go do it. Are people eventually going to say, does the emperor have any clothes or does the emperor have a brain, frankly?
Let's fight with hope. Let's fight with confidence in ourselves and a commitment to each other. This is our moment. This is our mission. We are all now standing united behind Joe and my friend Kamala. We all need to be in the fight to get Joe and Kamala elected. So I'm asking you to believe in your own ability to make sure that the basic tenets of our democracy endure. This is one of the most difficult moments America's ever faced. We haven't given up. We just need leadership worthy of our nation. I trust Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to guide us toward that better future. We must come together, defeat Donald Trump, and elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It is up to us to add our voices and our votes to the chorus of history. For more than a decade, I was President Trump's right-hand man, fixer, and confidant. I was complicit in helping conceal the real Donald Trump. I was part of creating an illusion. Later this week, he's going to stand up and blatantly lie to you. I'm here to tell you he can't be trusted, and you shouldn't believe a word he utters. So when you watch the president this week, remember this. If he says something is huge, it's probably small. If he says something will work, it probably won't. And if he says he cares about you and your family, he certainly does not. He's going to tell you that if you reelect him, the economy will bounce back, that only he can get us out of this economic crisis. I alone can fix it. Maybe for those like him. But if you think he cares about working class Americans, you're dead wrong. The president is going to talk to you about law and order. That's laughable. Virtually everyone who worked for his campaign has been convicted of a crime or is under indictment, myself included. So when the president gets in front of the cameras this week, remember that he thinks we're all gullible, a bunch of fools. I was a part of it, and I fell for it. You don't have to like me, but please listen to me. All right, gotta admit, out of all of those ads, uh, it was interesting looking at all the different ads. <laughs> the, the one, <laughs> Melly, that I found uh, most entertaining uh, was the one of Nikki Haley and Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham saying, don't believe nothing Donald Trump says. He's a liar as well. Uh, but then, boy, you flip it. Oh, my God, he's the greatest thing since Jesus. Uh, so which one do you believe? The true, fe the true feelings or the one after he won? Well, I, the idea, will we, Kamala Harris, was, Kamala Harris was just chosen as Joe Biden's VP, and she thought that he was a racist. So no, the hold idea on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, stop, stop. Where does she, where does she say that? Oh, I'm sorry, she didn't, she didn't say that he was a racist. In fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, what, in fact, what did she say? She said that he supported segregation No, 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 you said, you said, you said Kamala Harris thought that Joe Biden was a racist. Did she well, oh, wait one second? One second. Did she specifically say during the debate, Joe, I don't think that you're a racist? 
Well, I don't think that I don't think that most people. No, 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 no. I'm at. I'm at. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. wait, No, no. Hold on. I asked a question. I asked. I asked. I asked a question. I asked a question. Can you answer the question? Did did Kamala? No, no, no. But did she say? Did Kamala Harris say to him, Joe? I don't think you're racist. Yes or no? No, she did not say that he was racist. Actually, she did. What she said. What 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 she actually alluded to was the fact that he was a segregationist. That's what she said. Now, okay. Most first people, of all, not us, uh, first of all, again, not us, uh, again, again. Hold on, one second. No, 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 no. You. No, one second, one second, one second, one second. You stated something that was false. She specifically, she specifically stated. So here, so here's the deal. Said, don't no, state, don't state something false, and not think you're gonna you're gonna let loud just say it. You say something well, that was false. But go doing, ahead. Well, Roland, we know we know why go you're doing to correct. No, 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 I know. No, 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 no. Melik, Melik, Melik. It's real simple. Melik is real simple. Melik is real simple. It's real simple. No, 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 no. Actually, no, Melik, this is very simple. If somebody makes up something and it's false on this show, no, no, no. On this show, they get corrected. Now, I know that it doesn't work that way at Fox News, but if you make, if you make, well, if you make a false statement, if you make, if you make a false statement, if you make a false statement, you're going to get corrected. Now, go ahead. Yeah, well, I've been on your show since 2018, so I do know how it works. And you correct things that don't fit your narrative. No, actually, so, yeah, actually, no. I correct Kamala people Harris, when they're wrong. Kamala Harris did not use the word racist. What she said was that she was that little girl, and because of policies that that, that she because of policies that Joe Biden supported, that everyone. I won't say everyone. Most people will connect to being an actual racist. Like I so said, maybe you think that segregationist means something else. But the thing is, nope, is that like despite said, what Kamala Harris said, despite what Kamala Harris may have said, we have Joe Biden's forty plus years in the Senate to actually talk about, and we know whether it was his crime bill, whether there were many things that he said that's come out of his mouth. Joe Biden will have to answer for that. So it doesn't matter how many ads, great. Or bad, the Lincoln Project or other groups push Joe Biden is that candidate, and but here's he will the deal. have to defend himself. But Brianna, here's the deal: when you play those videos, and when you hear Lindsey Graham calling Donald mm. Trump a cook, a cook, when you hear uh, a Ted Cruz saying nearly everything that Donald Trump says is a lie, when you hear Nikki Haley assailing him as well, these are people who are being really honest about Donald Trump until they decide to sell their souls. Your thoughts about that ad? I have a lot to say about the ads, but I have to specifically talk about what Malik just said. So um, Trump's position that the Central Park Five should have been executed. So Biden has evolved, and Trump still stands by his position. And, 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 yes, and by the way, he doubled down on that in the 2016 election, even when presented with the facts of them being exonerated. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and they were children. So, you know, Trump thought black children should be put to death. So, you know, if, if he has people in the party who think that's okay to argue for black children to be executed by the government, 
then he doesn't, they don't have the moral ground to stand on when it comes to talking about Biden. So you could say that Kamala tried to infer, even though, as Roland stated, she literally said, and I was in the audience as a DNC member, she literally stated, I don't think that you're a racist, Joe. And then she went on to say other things that she felt disagreement with. However, we now have Kamala Harris as our VP and there to protect us and try to push a lot more of our agenda and make him a better person. And so to see that, uh, or to say that about the contrast, I just, I don't think you have a valid point uh, for, for the RNC. But to focus back on the ads, I mean, most of those ads are common sense and very factual. And unfortunately, that also means Trump's base is less likely to listen to it, as we just heard a comment of, you know, well, Biden and Kamala. So, like, I think that one thing that it does show is that Joe Biden clearly has a coalition of people of all across different political spectrums. He has moderates, conservatives, democratic socialists, um, and they're all working together to defeat Trump. I and got, so it's a good show of unity. I got to say this here, Michael. Out of all the people, there's nobody worse to me than Ted Cruz. The man called your wife ugly. The man accused your daddy of assassination. And you still kissing his ass? Say, man, look, party unity only goes so far with me. It, you know, those, that ad is, it, it, I think it's a great ad. And clearly, it always happens in politics. You're able to find something that somebody said that was an ally or an enemy, enemy at one time and then it was an ally. Um, but I really enjoyed because I had not seen it. I heard about the Michael Cohen um, commercial. And that was, that was an interesting, too. I don't know if that sways anybody either because clearly uh, all of Trump's base folks hate him. And I don't know if, uh, if our folks are going to like them, but it's just an interesting, interesting commercial um, to lay out kind of what he saw in his last decade uh, with 45, before he was 45, and when he was a candidate. But these commercials on, online have impacts. They just, they just do. Um, clearly, the paid media uh, has impacts on commercials uh, during the conventions. They just do. Trust me. If and you, Roland, you and I have talked about this before. If politicians didn't think commercials would work, they wouldn't spend pretty much almost sixty percent of their money on them. So it works, and so we'll see what happens uh, on November third. I clearly think that Biden and Harris have a good shot, and I know that folks like to look at the national poll numbers, but it's really just a group of five states that folks need to focus on. And when you focus on those poll numbers, clearly the race is going to tighten, uh, but we'll see what happens uh, over the next coming weeks. ask y'all this here. Uh, there's a... Um, Daily Beast has this story. Go to my iPad, please. Uh, it, this, this story right here. Uh, RNC speaker boosts uh, a Kunan conspiracy theory about Jewish plot to enslave the world. Uh, Mary Ann Mendoza, uh, she... Um, is supposed to speak tonight at the Republican National Convention. She went to Twitter to encourage followers to read a thread about the Rothschilds. Um, and uh, in here, uh, she, she lays out, Melik, that, uh, that this is a Jewish plot to enslave the world. Think she still speaks tonight? 
I, I hope that she doesn't, but she probably will. The, the idea that Jews are being involved in a conspiracy is not something that really should be foreign to any of us. I supported a candidate here in D.C., Trayon White, who talked about this Jewish weather conspiracy. So this, these type of things, whether it's a white person or even a black person, many of these same conspiracies about Jews, about wealth, many things that the um, Jewish community consider anti-Semitic, these things happen all the time, including the comments by uh, Louis Farrakhan when he talked about that Holly, um, the Jews being responsible for the amount of homosexuality in Hollywood. You can fact check that because that's one of the things that the Southern Poverty Law Center cited as one of those instances where he was being not anti, not just anti-Semitic, but homophobic. So no, she shouldn't be speaking. I don't think that she should be speaking at all, but the idea that people are using these type of anti-Semitic tropes is pretty bipartisan. Uh, this is uh, just, again, quite interesting to me when you, when you look at uh, some of these folks uh, who are slated uh, to speak. The fact of the matter is here, Brianna, Republicans, they've got two candidates, one of them who won her primary in Georgia, who is an absolute believer in these conspiracy theories, who is a racist, who touted her invitation to hear Donald Trump speak uh, Thursday night uh, at the White House. Uh, and so Republican Party, look, the, Steve King lost in Iowa, uh, they finally got to the point where his racism was even too much for them to bear. But they've got one coming after him who's just as nutty. Brianna, are you there? Uh, you're, you're on mute. Yeah, sorry. There you okay. go. Sorry about that. Yeah, so um, I, I think it's a problem. I think GOP know that they're in the struggle right now for Senate seats. You've seen that Susan has taken Trump out of all the ads and so forth. And so they're trying to work another way. Um, you can see that's why some people have lost. And I think that's really important. And um, when you so show the other ads of showing, you know, Jamie Harrison and, and how we're going really hard against Lindsey Graham there, like it's... Um, it shows that they are nervous, and um, I I wonder I wonder how effect you know it will actually be if they speak, um, other than just speaking to their base. Which uh, honestly, those people aren't that, who listen to that right. aren't going to vote for the Democratic Party anyway. Uh, I, I do want to ask y'all this here because uh, this came out this morning, Michael. I want to start with you. So this woman, go to my iPad, please. This woman, Dion uh, Raider Geisler, she posted this on her Facebook page today. Uh, Thugs forward slash rioters are in town. An officer shared with a friend that rioters have arrived in Louisville by the busload and are planning action on Tuesday and more are coming. These aren't kids but thugs with connections to organized crime and have uh, a uh, HX in other cities of looting, carjacking, and accosting women. Homeland Security is planning to be here this week. They are staying along Hurstbourne Lane in the hotels. Please be careful for yourselves and do not let your kids around St. Matthews or go out in Louisville alone. Be well and be safe. Rioters have arrived and are staying along the Hurstbourne Parkway. Tomorrow they plan to shut down the highways and are estimated to be roughly 2,000 people plus 700 vehicles. Stay safe and protect yourself if necessary. Michael, 
No, go back to my iPad, Michael. Yes. The cop saw this, a Black Voters Matter bus, and sent out this hysterical message about how they're coming to destroy our city. They're there to register black people to vote. Yeah, but that's not obviously what they uh, what they see. Just like the um, the couple in uh, in Missouri, uh, that the protesters were walking through the neighborhoods, weren't bothering anybody, weren't attacking anybody's homes or property, and the couple that came out with guns because they vision black protesters as rioters or as bad people. They don't see them as, you know what, this is great for America. This is what America was built on. I don't, that doesn't mean I have to come outside and march with them, but I certainly don't have to come outside with a gun. So it's just how the two different Americas are looking at where we are. And that's what happened. That's what happens all over the country. So you see that bus with red, black, and green coloring. And all they saw was black. That's all. What else it said. Didn't see voters. They didn't have to say voter registration. Didn't have to say any of that. All they saw was black. And she got on her Twitter machine. No, 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 no. But here's the deal, Malik. This was a cop who sent this out. And this white woman posted it. Folks went off on her this morning. And she deleted it from her Facebook page when they said, did you even bother to, to Google? And, and this is, again, this is what freaks some of these white folks out, Malik. Just black people all of a sudden standing up for rights. And this cop, yeah, they're thugs. And actually... He jeopardized their safety by saying where they're going to be staying. Thankfully, they were not staying at those hotels. They could have been harmed if somebody saw this message and then responded. This isn't surprising to me. This is something that's very irresponsible for the um, officer to actually make that post. As someone who lives in an area where over the years we have complained about the fact that when things are published, local publications, local blogs, Michael should know this himself since he lives in D.C., where they where they carve out every other place in the city except wards at 7 and 8, which is east of the river, which is where most of the black people live. So this doesn't surprise me that when it comes to people's perception of black people, whether that is in wealth or not, that these type of things happen. So, I mean, I'm not, it doesn't surprise me at all. I've dealt with it for years. But and many Bri of my neighbors have as well. But Brianna, the reality is here, if you if you listen to last night's Republican National Convention, you know, I, I had to I had to call my relatives who live in major cities and say, "Are y'all okay? Are y'all hiding under the bed or in the closet? Do you have you install a panic room?" Because I swore listening last night, oh my God, every major American city is on fire and things are burning and they're looting and they're rioting and stuff is being destroyed. Yeah, I mean, honestly, clearly, what this shows is that. Black people voting is a horror, move, uh, horror movie to them. And so that's why it emphasizes how important it is for us to vote. And we can all fight each other after Trump is out. Um, but right now, people who have never been united on anything have been united around getting rid of Trump. Because it's honestly ridiculous that they go on and on and on about the bus. Um, I've seen the bus. The bus is 
you know, has people come out. They're actually yeah. it's a bus. Protests. It's a yeah, wrapped it's, bus. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's not really on protest. Goes to churches, you know, make sure that we are voting. And the the fact of that all the panic and that's what they like to do is put fear into their voter base. Um and, you know, make sure that they um depress our base. And so I think it's very important this um to realize that this franticness is because they don't want to see black people vote. And we've been fighting for that since Reconstruction. Right. And so, yeah. All right, then. Brianna, Malik, Michael, we surely appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Folks, we come back. Uh, we'll talk with uh, a black-owned business. What are they doing when it comes to you? Commerce. All that next. Roller Martin Unfiltered. Fill out your 2020 census and include everyone who lived with you as of April 1st. Kids, uncles, anyone. They don't even have to be family. Now, remember... This count helps inform where billions in federal funding goes each year. So shape your future and start here at 2020census.gov. All right, folks, The Profit Room is a black-owned day trading company that teaches courses on how to profit from the stock market. The company specifically focuses on educating African-Americans on how to find success in the financial markets. Watch this. I have it? Fine. The co-founders are Ernest Curry and LaToya Smith. They join us right now. Ernest and LaToya, how you doing? Hello, hello. Doing fine. How's Thanks. Doing? Thanks uh, for Doing great. Guys, video's too late. Let's go to the guests. Uh, let's go to Ernest and LaToya. All right, I need to see them. Thank you very much. Uh, LaToya, LaToya, I'll start with you. Um, every time we've had the conversation about, look, people say, I don't know, Jack bought the stock market. It's <laughs> confusing. I have no idea what to buy. And the reality is this here. More than 50% of Americans have nothing in the stock market. They're not even paying any attention to it. And so um, what uh, what are you hearing from people and, and how have you gotten them over their fears? Um, basically just explaining things to them in such an elementary fashion and really just breaking it down so they can understand the concepts. Because I think most of the time within the financial markets is the jargon that is used. Perhaps that scare many people away from investing or even learning about the stock market. Um, Ernest, when we people think about it, they just think it's gambling. Yeah, see, and that's the perception because that's why we are education companies. See, the bottom line, when you look at anything uh, like trading or any type of profession, you need to have education. So what happens, people, they just jump into, like, say, the stock market as a sports car and don't even understand how the car works, right? And that's where you get a history of people continually talking about how much money they lost is gambling. But in reality, there is structure behind trading and investing. And we try to show people how to do that while keeping risk management as a, a priority. So once they figure that out and say, wow, there's actually a strategic plan and they're not blinded by, you know, the smoke and the mirrors and the flashing lights, they realize that they can actually invest and trade in the market and pull out money on a consistent basis. So so what is it? Is this a class? Is this a series of classes? Uh, exactly what are you taking folks through? 
Well, basically, so, we have online structured courses. So we created all the content through a live trading environment where we're showing people step by step how to profit in the markets, all while defining the risk. And we also do mentorship so they can get a hold of us on Zoom webinar. We like to do one-on-ones and really show people and walking them through the actual process. We found that to have huge success with our students. Are these classes, Ernest, are, are they free? Are they paid? Um, what about that? So what happens, we do a lot of free content for people to see, like on our YouTube channel. Then they come to us, we have uh, paid uh, content. So you're, it's just like any other profession or education. You're paying for our time, experience, and knowledge. So just like any other profession, you need a mentor to walk you through. A lot of people can just watch videos all day long, but each individual is different. The way they receive, the way they digest the information. Since Latoya and I have been doing this for a long period of time, we can adjust our trading style to your personality so you can get the goals that you want financially. So that's what we do personally. And also we're traders first before educators. So people come to us because we still actively trade every single day. So that's what we try to help people to see. Markets change all the time. Sometimes right. you have bullish, bearish, sideways markets. So by having that mentorship, because we've been through a lot of markets, we can help you be able to consistently keep risk management as a priority, but at the same time still generate income from the market. How many folks have you uh, taught? How many folks have y'all have gone through uh, your classes and you've been able to reach? Ooh, I can't even keep count. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of people so far. And what happens with our people, which is great, is our we've, we've taught people that were uh, 20 years old. Our oldest client from scratch, he's 71 years old. So we're finding that people want to learn about the market and they want to have that connection, like Latoya mentioned earlier, in a simplified approach, but consistency. You know, some days, some people will get in a trade and like, wow, I bought this stock and it shot up 100% in two or three weeks. That's great, right? And they talk about that trade or investment every time you see them. We teach people, it's not all about that big trade. You want to be able to be consistent and actually stay in the game of trading and investing. And that's how we uh, we have a very diverse group from all ages that we're able to customize programs to their personality. All right, then. So how can people get more information about The Profit Room? You can so, find us all over social media. You can find us on Facebook. We have a great Facebook page it's called The Profit Room. Um, you can find us on Instagram as well. You can find us on YouTube. We drop a lot of free educational content on our YouTube channel, as well as uh, you can look us up as well on, uh, we're also on Pinterest as well. Yep, all over. If you Google Black Day Traders, we pop up. We're number one because we are active traders in the market. So as soon as you Google, you'll see the profit room, a picture of Latoya and us, Latoya and I, and we're right there to help you. All right, then. Well, folks, I really appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, folks, be sure to support Roland Martin Unfiltered uh, by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Of course, uh, more than 11,000 people have joined. Our goal is to get 20,000 of you joined by the end of the year. You can, of course, support us via Cash App. Uh, our goal is to get folks to contribute 50 bucks or more, which is $4.19 a day, uh, $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com forward slash rmunfiltered. Of course, you can mail a money order to New Vision Media Inc. NU Vision Media Inc. 1625 K Street Northwest Suite 400 Washington DC 2006. Folks, y'all can give right there on YouTube as well. Uh, you are more than 4,300 of you are on YouTube right now. And so we certainly uh, want y'all to join our fan club, your dollars, and make it possible for us to do what we do. And we certainly appreciate it. Shout out to the people who give in 50 bucks or more. Uh, five links, Anthony Bradford, Anthony Montgomery, Carla Nichols, Sharice Blackman, Deon, Deon Carter, Danny Mosby, David Johnson, Deborah Pickens, Deshaun Nash, Douglas Quarles, Dr. John Codwell, Dwayne Thomas, Eric Cosby, Gregory Allison, Karen Davis, Mary Gates, Patrice Commodore, Robin Williams, Session Real Estate Inc., Shannon Smith, Tal Lewis, Tim Peterson, Tyrone Turner, Zelma Halls. We thank all of you for your support. Y'all, we, 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 we could not end the show uh, without uh, uh, last night's uh, speech, which I thought was utterly hilarious. Did y'all see uh, the crazy uh, screaming Kimberly Guilfoyle? Uh, what has happened now there's now what is called a uh, Guilfoyle challenge, uh, where people are literally out here repeating uh, what she said uh, at the end of her speech. Just go ahead and play the craziness. No, uh, uh, we got it. All right, guys, you should have it. Okay, uh, showing up here. All right, I got to play this because it was just too funny. Uh, so uh, go ahead, pull it up. I mean, this child was shouting so much last night. I was trying to understand, like, seriously, why are you yelling? Y'all don't see it? Okay, I don't know what the hell's going on, folks. It was uh, it was working earlier. I, I just I just got a kick out of it because it was so hilarious um, in terms of watching uh, watching her yell. So uh, y'all watch this. Election is a battle for the soul of America. Your choice is clear. Do you support the cancel culture, the cosmopolitan elites of Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden, who blame America first? Do you think America is to blame? Or do you believe in American greatness? Believe in yourself, in President Trump, in individual and personal responsibility. They want to destroy this country and everything that we have fought for and hold dear. They want to steal your liberty, your freedom. They want to control what you see and think and believe so that they can control how you live. They want to enslave you to the weak, dependent, liberal, victim ideology to the point that you will not recognize this country or yourself. Stand for an American president who is fearless, who believes in you, and who loves this country and will fight for her. President Trump is the leader who will rebuild the promise of America and ensure that every citizen can realize their American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and 
anybody tell her it was an empty ass room? Like, she wasn't in the middle of an auditorium with 30,000 people screaming. The hell was she yelling for? Then again, she is dating Donald Trump Jr., who's Fredo. Oh, my goodness. The best is yet to come. And the best is yet to come, Kimberly, when we are going to hashtag fire Trump in November, which means we're going to fire you, fire Donald Trump Jr., fire Ivanka, fire Jared, fire that Bertha Melania. All of y'all are going to go, go, go. But it will only happen if you register and you vote. Go to vote.org. Go to my iPad, please. Vote 69 days before Election Day. Go to vote.org to check your voter registration. Also, you can register to vote right there on the website. Takes less than two minutes to register. If you want to vote by mail, you can request your ballot right there as well. Get election reminders, pledge to register, check your polling place locator, and if you have not filled out your census form, folks, time is running out. Go back to go back to it. You can go at the bottom right there. It says the 2020 census right there or go to 2020census.gov but you can fill out your census right there. Your information is protected. That's all you got to do. Folks, let's do our part. And again, Kimberly said the best is yet to come. Let's send these crazy nuts back to Florida. I'm going to see y'all tomorrow. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late. Three very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com.
Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. 